How many are ready to continue to worship the Lord with our offering or giving? Amen? <clears throat> Guys, we uh, I have a quick scripture and I want to pray. And I want to get into the word today. I feel like I have a, quite a few things I want to share and we'll just see how it goes. Uh, good news is, is there's always next week. Uh, I can continue to share whatever we, what's that? God willing, you know, we have next week. Uh, but I know that there's things that the Lord really wants to say today and encourage us with today. So we'll make sure we get those done because he's got a word for today. Amen? Amen. Amen. We just said the word for you today, right? He's got a word for us this morning today. Uh, but for our, uh, our offering, Proverbs 28, starting in verse 26, says this. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Make sure I can just stop there for a little bit. <laughs> we could just spend a little time, spend a little time, a little self-reflection as to that, because yeah, I've been there, yeah? How many of us have been there, man? Trust in our own heart, man, our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own ways to solve a solution, a problem. Poof, doesn't work. But whoever walks wisely, look at that, will be delivered. He'll be delivered, which means you, you must be in a situation that needs being delivered from. And how many of you know we're in a world that sometimes we need deliverance from certain things that are happening? I'm not talking about the deliverance of, you know, laying on of hands and a demon coming out. But I'm talking about the situations that we are faced with a lot of times. Man, we need to be delivered out of them. Yeah, wisely. And if through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. And we hear from him and we walk and we listen to, for his voice. Just like Pastor Liz was saying on a Wednesday night. She sat, she heard from the Lord, she acted on it, she was activated, she wrote the letter, and it made a change. Possibly, we don't know, but for all of eternity. For all of eternity. One wisdom from the Lord can change everything. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? And in verse 27, he who gives to the poor will not lack. But he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Lord, we just want to give. We want to be a distribution center, amen? I've said that all along. This church just wants to be a distribution center. Whatever the money's that coming in, we're saying, Lord, how do you want us to use it? What do you want us to do with it? So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you bless our finances, Lord, as we tithe, as we give, Father God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough. Lord, you are more than enough. Thank you for your wisdom and your wise counsel as we seek you in every situation in our lives. And Father, I lift this message up to you, Lord. Lord, that you would open our ears and our eyes to see you more clearly, to understand what you want from us, Lord. And that you would lead us and guide us in every area of our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, we're going to continue. How many enjoyed the past two weeks with Pastor Andy? giving two weeks of a message on worship. Amen. Woo! I told him, he, he previewed last week's message with me in like a one-sentence paragraph, and I told him, I was like, oof, I think I'm not going to be at church, because that's going to be one that's really going to dig in deep. And it was, and it was, I was so glad that I was here last week, and it really was. What an amazing message, that worship includes a sacrifice. And what things in our life are we willing to sacrifice? And what things are we not willing currently to sacrifice as worship to him? And it really was a challenging message. You know, I think at the end we got up and shared, and there's a couple things that I wrote down or, you know, that I knew and Liz knew, and we wrote these things down. And it was like, will you sacrifice this, yes or no? 
And it's tough. I haven't clicked the box yet. Remember, we said yes, no, maybe. There was no maybe. It was yes or no. Guys, this is serious stuff. And I think every Sunday when you hear a message, I don't want you just to walk away and forget about it. But let it sit. Let it work on the inside of you. And say, look, I don't want to sign something until I know I'm ready. Amen? It's like, it's like, it's like a commitment. And I, and I want to know that I'm ready and willing. I'm, I'm human, guys. <laughs> just like every one of you. Anyway, so we're talking about spiritual disciplines. He did a fantastic job on worship. Uh, I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And the reason why we're looking at this particular portion of Scripture is we're talking about spiritual disciplines that we see and find in the early church. And what do they mean? What do they look like? How do we apply them to our lives? And how do we grow in those spiritual disciplines in our walk in 2022? What does that look like? Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I stop there because we're going to be talking about this word fellowship today and possibly next week. And what does that look like and what does that mean? And the actual original word in Greek is koinonia. Many of you have heard the word koinonia. There's a program that people would go to that was koinonia. And koinonia means this word fellowship. We're going to explore, though, that word means so much more than fellowship. It's, you know, I, get, I love how the Bible works because one word in the Bible, if you actually study it for like a minute, it's like, wait a second, it means all of that? I just thought it was the word fellowship. Uh-uh, stop for a minute. And we're going to look at that word fellowship, and it means serving one another, and it means fellowship with one another, and what does that look like? We're going to get into that. And then the early church said, the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. It's a different type of fellowship, that together. We'll talk about that in a, in a further week. And had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided among them all as anyone had need. What a beautiful description of the church family. Those who had need, others were giving to meet those needs. Beautiful, beautiful picture. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And every time I read that, my heart gets encouraged. Because the Lord does the adding. He doesn't call us to do the adding. He calls us to do the loving. We, he doesn't call us to be the convictor but he calls us to be the encourager. Oof. Could sit on that for a little bit. That's not in the notes. <laughs> you know, it just, I just reminds me, the Lord does the adding, and he calls us to do the loving and the serving and the caring. Why? Because of who he is and what he's done for us. I'm getting ahead of myself. So spiritual disciplines, I've got a chart. Glenn, if you could pull that chart up. There's these lists of spiritual disciplines that we find in this passage of Scripture. There was giving, there was studying God's word, there was worship, which I said we talked about past couple weeks, church attendance, home fellowship, serving is what we're going to talk about, this fellowship and serving one another, breaking bread together, and praying. And I know we just finished up praying uh, right before worship. But let me tell you something about these spiritual disciplines. Upon my study this week, 
I had found out that these are not the only spiritual disciplines that are in the Bible. How many know that? These are just in a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 2. These in particular ones are disciplines of engagement. You can write that down if you're taking notes. These spiritual disciplines are disciplines of engagement, meaning something we do. Yeah, all of these things are something that we're working on doing. We're activated. We're giving. We're studying. We're worshiping. We're going to church. We're meeting with people in their homes. We're serving people, breaking bread together. We're praying. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing. Those are spiritual disciplines. But there's another group of spiritual disciplines. And there's a spiritual disciplines of abstinence. We don't like those as much. Those are slowing. Those are solitude. That's fasting. That's Sabbath. And I really feel in my heart that as after we complete this grouping, we're going to go into the next grouping, which are some of the words that I had just said, because I, I want us to be doers, and I want us to be activated, I want us to go, but I also, we also have to remember that God calls us to rest. God, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. By no means does this sermon series want to feel condemnation or pressure to go do more. But it's all about, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from my life? And I know every one of us can grow in one of these areas. So we're going to move into this, this disciplines of abstinence here in the coming weeks. But today I want to talk about this fellowship or this serving. Let me ask you a question. You can raise your hands for this. Raise your hand if you would like to never work another day in your life. Come on, the rest of you are probably lying to me. Come on. It's just like, yeah. Okay, I know. Some of us love to work. And I get, and this is what I want to talk about today is I want to challenge you. Look, work is good. Don't get me wrong. Work is great. The Bible says we need to work. Uh, there's, there's discipline in work. The ants work, so we should work, right? You know, all the scriptures, okay? I'm not saying anything bad about work. But what I want to talk about this morning is I want to change your perception of what the Bible talks about in work. What does it really mean? What does it really look like? And how the Lord is calling us not to work, but to serve. And that our serving is work. And I want to talk through it. So what happened to me, this is my personal testimony. This was one of the Wednesday nights, which we were just talking about. I think it was in February, or maybe it was January. And how many of you know John Madden? How many have heard of John Madden? He's a famous football coach then an announcer, and then Madden Football, the video game. Everyone knows Madden Football. Well, probably if you don't. Well, John Madden was a man, uh, and I don't know if he knew the Lord or not, but he had passed away. It was either that day, this was early January, or maybe the day, uh, two days before. And I watched, they replayed his speech when he got inducted into the Football Hall of Fame. And they only played like a 30-second clip. And in that clip... He said, you know what, guys, let me tell you something. I so much enjoyed what I was doing. It was like I never worked a day in my life. And I looked at the, I was watching the screen. I was like, Psh. <laughs> well, good for you, John Madden. And I started listing off in my head all the things that I do all of the work that was in front of me. I got to work at the church. I got to work at the Chamber of Commerce. I got to work with my family. Who's going to do the dishes unless I do the dishes? And you should, oh, my, my brain was going like, woo, 
Off the deep end of self-pity, selfishness. I was off the radar. Like, I was gone. I was so mad at John Madden, God rest his soul. I didn't care about it. I didn't care about his soul, about his heart, whether he was in heaven or hell. I was just mad that he never worked a day in his life. And it feels like I work every single day. Every day I got to work. And so I came to prayer night on Wednesday night, and I'm just sitting here, you know, praying, listening to the Lord. And the Lord just said, serve. So, okay, Lord, yes, of course I serve. I serve the church. And he's just like, serve. I was like, all right, Lord. Because you know how sometimes the Lord speaks. He just says a word sometimes. And you have to like seek after him to get a little deeper. Like, Lord, okay, what do you mean by that? And he was like, I want to change your perspective so that you don't have to work another day in your life. And I was like, "Hmm, I'm listening. I'm listening. And he asked me, he said, Jason, what if you approached everything that you do as service to me? I was like, ooh. Like, Lord, is that in the Bible? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. And I was like, okay, so what does that mean? He said, you have a choice whether to see everything that you're doing as work, as labor, or as serving, the choice is yours. Jason, you have the opportunity to serve your family, to serve your church, and to serve this community. The choice is yours. I'm like, what? And so I'm writing this down, I'm scribbling it down, and then wouldn't you know, Sydney Moore, our wonderful worship leader, in the middle of the prayer service, starts singing about serving. Right after the Lord says this to me, I'm like, why serving? And it was like the Lord just saying, I'm talking to you, Jason. This isn't your mind. This isn't your imagination. And so I wrote it down. And so I've been really mulling this over. And let me tell you, I have not got this perfect. I have not got this perfect. But I want to talk to you today about the scriptures and what the scriptures say about this koinonia, this fellowship, this serving one another. When our hearts are acting this way, We can look at life as not a burden, but we can be content in our circumstance. And we can do those things without grumbling and complaining because we see what we're doing in a totally different perspective. So turn with me to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, I'm going to start in verse 22. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture here this morning. Colossians 3. And I'm going to hit, uh, for, I think, 1 Samuel, and then we're going to spend a lot of time in Philippians 2. But I want to read this to you. Colossians 3, verse 22. says, Bond service, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, woo, meaning not needing to be watched. We do our work not needing to be, not so someone can see us do our work. Ooh, that's tough. Or as man, men pleasers, as man pleasers, ah, the goal when we're working is not to please man, but to please him. But in sincerity of heart, fearing God. So our work, our obedience in all things is not for man. 
It's not for someone to see us what we do, but it's for God. It's to, because we fear him. You say, well, Pastor Jason, what do you mean by fear God? It means that we don't want separation from him. The fear of the Lord is not like you tremble and shake because you're scared, but you cannot fathom not being separated from him. That is the fear of the Lord. Verse 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And I read back and I said, it says, whatever you do, plumber, pastor, teacher, grandmother, mother, diaper changer, nursery worker, worship leader, whatever you do, we do it to who? The Lord and not to men. It's for the Lord. It's for him. It's why we serve. And then verse 24 says, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. For you serve who? The Lord. We serve the Lord. Amen? So this koinonia, this this word that we see in Acts chapter 2, koinonia, it's a Greek word that occurs about 20 times in the Bible. Uh, all in the, all in the uh, New Testament. Its primary meaning is this, is fellowship, sharing in common, and communion. And I want to read this definition here. It says, koinonia is being in agreement with one another. Oh, you mean like this fellowship and serving actually has something to do with unity as well? Yeah. Like, that was, that was eye-opening to me. It's more than just the word fellowship. It's being in agreement with one another, being united in purpose. And we talk about the body of Christ being united and all working together, and even the hairs on our head. I think Pastor Liz said that earlier. You know, everybody working together, united in purpose, and serving alongside each other. This is what that word fellowship means. The early church modeled this and pictured this. Look at this. In agreement... United, serving along with our koinonia, with each other, can you, I'm not sure, can you read that? It's better back here. Is based on our common koinonia with Jesus Christ. So our relationship, our fellowship with each other is in direct correlation and relationship with our, with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, isn't that powerful to understand what that means and what that looks like. And so this week... What I'm going to do is talk through kind of the heart behind this fellowship and serving, the heart behind this koinonia. And then next week, again, Lord willing, next week I want to talk about the kind of the actions that go along with that. What does it mean to be to one another? The the Bible says one another like a lot of times. And I want to look at all those one another's next week. But today I want to talk about the heart of the matter. Why do we serve? What is it that it should be in our hearts when we serve? And why do we do that? Turn with me to 1 Samuel 12. Glenn, you got to keep up with me. I'm skipping around a little bit. 1 Samuel 12, verse 24. This is an Old Testament passage, and it really models off of the New Testament passage that we just looked at. It says this. It says, only fear the Lord. Can we just sit on that for a minute today? All the stuff that's going on in, in Eastern Europe and all the stuff going on at home locally here and all the stuff, all the stuff, all the stuff can begin to, on the inside, want us to, want us to begin to try to get fear 
and get a grip and a hold of us. But the Bible says, only fear the Lord. So when that fear rises up, we have to take it. We have to say, Lord, I will not fear. I trust in you. And take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. Imagine that. You had to physically take the thought and almost like move it out of the head and put it out in front of you and say, you know what? I don't receive that fear. I don't receive that thought today. And I want to make it obedient to Christ. How do you make something obedient to Christ? When you speak the word of God and the truth, like it's exposed on the lie, and it can no longer stay. Right? Darkness flees when the lights go on. What? Immediately. So light and dark cannot exist in the same place. And so we have to say, Lord, what is that scripture? When I'm beginning to fear, what is that scripture that I can speak to that fear so that I shed light on it and it begins to transform my mind and when the light is exposed to it, the fear has to go. And for a lot of us, that's like a constant battle. That's not like I did it once. No, yeah, I took that thought and made it captive last year. How about like last five minutes? Come on, and then the next five minutes coming. We have to constantly be looking and thinking, what is, what are, who's talking in our head? <laughs> the battlefield of the mind. That's Joyce Meyer. You can read her book. It's pretty good. Okay. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Oh, why do we serve? Because of the great things he has done for us. We serve him. Why do we serve him? Because we want a relationship with him. And how do we serve him? Look at that. In truth. With our whole heart. That means in honesty. I'm going to get to this in a little bit. But there's many times in my own life that I have served just to make myself feel better. Don't raise your hand. This is not one to raise your hand on. But, I, come on, I know in your heart, it's just like, oh, yeah, I did that downtown, whatever, because I felt bad, and I feel like I should do this. Not the heart of serving. Not the heart of serving. We'll get into that more in a little bit. You're just like, oh, man, why did I come today? Okay, so what does what serving someone look like? Turn to Philippians 2. And I want to walk through this passage of Scripture. It's like 16 or 17 verses. And almost after every verse or every couple verses, there's something that the Lord is speaking to us about our heart of serving, our heart of fellowship, our heart of koinonia, our heart of being together, one to another, serving each other, helping each other, caring for each other, loving each other. And throughout this whole passage, I believe there's like eight or nine different things that you can see through this. And some of you might write eight, all eight or nine down. Some of you will forget all of them. That's okay. But I want you to get today is serving. Philippians 2 gives us the model how to do it. And we want to see serving not as work, but as honoring to him in what he has called us to go do. Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. And let me just tell you this. What I'm doing here this morning... Every one of you can do. Not everyone's head's nodding because you don't believe me. 
What I'm doing up here this morning, every one of you can do. Yes, there's an anointing from God to be a pastor, a teacher, a preacher, all these things. Yes, I get that. But what I'm doing is I'm going to a passage of Scripture, and after I read each verse, I'm saying, Stop, Lord, show me something in this verse. You don't need a Bible degree to do that. You don't need a, the- you don't need a master's in theology, which actually I don't have a master's in theology, or in divinity, or any of that stuff. You can do this. And I want you to be encouraged that you can and you should do this as you look at the Bible. It says, therefore, Philippians 2, verse 1, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship, koinonia, same exact word that we saw in Acts chapter 2, any fellowship of the Spirit, If in any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. So the first thing we learn, learn here about serving is what? Is we serve in unity. Those who are serving in disunity might as well not be serving. The hush over the crowd. Those, I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that the body of Christ must be unified. And when something is not unified in the body of Christ, it's not actually operating correctly. And when, have you ever had one of your limbs not operate correctly? Where's Uncle Bill? How many times have you had a finger not operate correctly because you cut it off, you know, on your sawzall? Right? How many calls do we got? Pray for Uncle Bill. He cut his finger. And you're like, oh, just a finger. No, like his thumb's hanging off. Like, oh my goodness. And the Lord always says... Yeah, and they sew it back on, and he has all his fingers. It's amazing. Right? But as he would know, when it's not working properly, it actually causes trouble for the rest of your body to operate. Does it not? Whether it's pain, it's disruption, it's your whole focus. How many of you are like me? When you have one pain in your body, your whole focus goes to that pain. Like, my hip was out of place the other day. It was like, man, my whole day was, like, messed up. Because my hip... I'm only in my mid-40s. I have no hip problems in the name of Jesus. But when one thing is out of order, when one thing is out of unity, when one thing, it's like the rest of the body cannot function properly. And the Bible says when something is off, right, you'd rather cut it off than let it disrupt the rest of everything that's part of the body. So I find this amazing. And when you're talking about serving, the very first thing the Lord commands in serving is unity. It's like, man, I have to, you mean to tell me, Pastor, I have to be in unity before I serve somewhere? Yeah, kind of. Doesn't mean you have to agree with every decision. Doesn't mean you have to be like, well, everything they ever say, I will never question or do it. No, it means that in my heart, guys, you know if your heart's in unity or not. It's not for me to tell you. You know whether your heart's in unity. We serve in unity. Woo. Verse, verse 3, that's just the first one. Verse 3 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let nothing be done. Guys, just as a personal battle of mine, I know that I have done things, look, one of my love languages is acts of service. Okay, so you think I'd be really good at this service one. 
But the challenge that a lot of us have with love language or how we show love or what we do is we do things in order to get something else. We do, we, I, I, I still do it I, on periodic, but I would serve my family and I would serve and I would do all these things in the hopes for recognition, in the hopes for love, in the hopes for all these other things, which was the wrong core motivation of why, because I was doing it for selfish ambition. I was doing what I was doing for vain conceit. So I ask us when we serve, after we're serving in unity, you have to ask yourself the question, why am I serving? Am I ser- where is my heart because of how I'm serving? Am I serving so that people can see that I'm serving? Bad reason. Are you serving because God told you to serve? Good reason. And we have to be reflective in our hearts and ask the Lord, why are we serving? This, we serve with humility is like a posture of serving. It's this hard attitude is I'm going to love the other person. And I'm gonna, how many moms and dads here, moms especially, this is like your daily life, putting down your own wants and needs for the service of others. Love. It's such a beautiful thing that the Lord commands us to do. We serve with humility. So we have to ask ourselves, when we truly see the person that we're serving as someone that God has created and that he stirs up a compassion for them on the inside, then serving in what we're doing for them has even a greater impact. I'll tell you what, I have been on service things downtown and I can tell you what, the people that you're serving, they know if you're doing it with a true heart or not. Come on, where's Camille? You've been down the city mission, right? It's like they know. It's like they know. Kids, yeah, kids know. If you're serving just to serve, to check your box off, to make you feel better, mm, it's like all over you, whether you're doing this or not. I'm so happy to see you. God bless you. And then you leave that. You don't feel any better. You don't feel built up. You don't feel like, oh, well, you know, this is great. Why don't I feel any better? Because the Lord knows your heart. He knows your motivation. And he is challenging each and every one of us, including me, that when we serve, we serve from our heart. We serve for others, not for our own recognition, not for our own selfish ambition or our own vain conceit. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So what do we serve? We serve for others. We serve the Lord, but we're actually serving one another. We're serving each other. We're looking at each other's needs. And I love the the order that the Lord puts this in. I love the order. He says, for each of you look out not only for your own interests. It is okay to have things going on in your own life that you have to take care of. Moms, I'm talking to you. There are seasons in your life where you serving and loving your family is what he's called you to do. And don't feel bad because you're not going down to the city mission and serving food every other Wednesday or whatever. What is the Lord calling you to go do? What is the other that he has put in front of you that he's asking you to serve? 
So we serve others. We're serving because of him, but we're serving others. Not our own interests, not only those, not just ourselves. but we have to know people do have needs. There are needs out there that we can meet. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We serve like Jesus served. He is the perfect model. He is the perfect example. He is the perfect one. He was never in a rush. He was never in a hurry. He didn't walk up to someone who had a need and was just like, you know what? You know, my watch here is telling me I just don't have time for this today. Jesus never did that. He never acted that way. We serve like Jesus. He was the perfect model, the perfect image. And it says here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, which means only the Lord himself can give us the mind of Christ. He has to do it. Because if it was just up to us in our own flesh, forget it, man. I don't want to serve anywhere. And you see everything is work. But we opened up with not wanting to work another day in our life. But when we do things out of service to him and for others in humility, we can begin to see everything that we do in a different light. Especially those who don't have jobs that are flashy. I don't know what a flashy job is. This would probably be considered a flashy job. Right in front of people, speaking publicly. Every one of you, moms, dads, plumbers, HVAC people, whatever it means. You can see that as serving unto him, like Jesus did. Verse 6. And here's what I'm, I'm going to read, verse 6 through 9, actually through 11. Because the Bible does such a better job at expository than I can. It kind of does it itself. So we serve like Jesus. And what does that mean? Why can we serve like Jesus? Here, verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That's Jesus. What a wonderful model. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Amen to that. That the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, those on the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the perfect model of laying down someone's life for another. Can we serve that way? Verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We serve, again, we've talked about this earlier, we serve in the fear of the Lord. And I believe that when we serve and when we do all these spiritual disciplines that are coming out, he constantly is revealing things to us. He doesn't want us just to read the Bible so we can feel good about reading the Bible. He doesn't want us to serve just so we can feel good about serving. He wants us to serve because what he knows is it works out our salvation with fear and trembling. It constantly says, Lord, show me something new. Lord, when we worship, he reveals things to us. When we pray, he puts things in our heart. And we begin to pray for the women and the children in Ukraine because it's his compassion and his love that's on us. 
Not made up, not because we just had a great idea or saw a Facebook post and feel like you should have compassion on it. You can't make yourself have compassion on something. You ever try? I've done that. You know, I've done, you see the commercials on TV and you got the kids that are starving and whatever it is, your head's just not in the right place, your heart's not in the right place, and you're watching, walking and you're like, oh man, man, I got nothing right now. Right? Come on, people have done that, right? You guys have done that before. That's being human. That's having a flesh. But when God stirs up the compassion, when God calls you to serve, when God puts us people on your heart, maybe it's nursery, maybe it's kids, maybe it's men, maybe it's women, maybe it's those in prison, whatever it is God has put on your heart, you begin to have compassion for those because of who he is. So we serve in the fear of the Lord. Verse 13. Almost done here. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Thank you, Lord. Because if it was up to me, I wouldn't be up here. This is like, I'm just being honest. When God calls you to do something, we have to be obedient to do it. We don't do it because we want to. We do it because he's called us to go do it. So we serve with his power. When we serve, we serve with his power, not our own strength. When we serve with that heart of compassion for people, he provides the power to do it. He provides the anointing to do it. Whether you're in the AV booth or the worship team or you're in the nursery or you're a mom at home or you're working on somebody's house, he provides the power to go do what he's called you to go do. The Bible says over and over is he equips those who he has called. It's not the other way around. He doesn't call the equipped. If that was the case, we'd all be in trouble. But he equips those who he calls, which means he calls you. He's equipping us to do the work that he has in front of us, to serve, to say, you know what? I don't see that as work anymore. I see I get to wake up today and I get to serve my family. And doing the dishes... I don't get this every day, but I'm working on it. But doing the dishes I can see as serving my family. Not as another task and a to-do that I have to go do. But that I can be a blessing to my family. Verse 14, you were hoping I wouldn't get here, but I did. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Oh, I thought that was next week's message. I was going to skip. No! You, wait a second, you mean I have to serve without grumbling and complaining? Well, that's what that says. So we serve quietly. Hmm. Lord, you called me to serve, you called me to do this. I'm going to do those dishes, and I'm not going to complain that I have to do them. Does anybody rinse off a dish ever? Or do they let the egg yolk stick on them forever? <laughs> And so I'm standing at this, without complaining, without grumbling. Come on, church, like you want you everything in you. But the Bible says when we serve, we have to do it quiet. We have to do it without complaining. We have to serve with contentment. We have to do all things. I love how the verse says, back up to that verse real quick, Glenn. Do all things. What things? Wait a second. All of them? You and I have to drive through Erie 
without complaining about the driver who is staying in the passing lane, but I can't get by? All things without complaint. When we serve the Lord as our heart, we can't do it with complaining. It's almost like it's just it's like, okay, well, there they go. There, there goes Pastor Jason again complaining. <laughs> right? This is a struggle for me. It's a battle. That's why I laugh at it. I can make fun of it. But it's not really that funny. Because the Lord doesn't want us to do it. So we have to do all things without complaining. and So we serve quietly with contentment. Look at Jesus. I have never seen anywhere in the scripture Jesus complaining. If you find one, come see me. Maybe I missed it. Mm. It's like, wow. Even when he was near the cross in the garden. Not my will, Lord, but yours. Yes. Okay. Jake, you want to come back up here, bro? Verse 15. I love this, and I love that the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter to the Philippian church, that he kind of puts this towards the end of this passage of Scripture. He puts these next two points at the end, which I absolutely love. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He mod- he's showing us the motto of service without, crump- without grumbling, in humility, with unity, all the things you already wrote down, the other points, all those things, so that we, the children of God, would not have been found fault in the midst, we are in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And then it says, comma, let me finish the thought, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Wait a second. Do you mean that if I serve in the way the Lord is calling me to serve, I'm actually a light unto the world? Yes. Yes. This is exactly what it's saying. Yes, you are. You then shine as a light. It doesn't say because I proclaim that I'm doing good things. Because I put billboards up. Because I showed everybody all the great things I'm doing. But when we serve as the Lord calls us to serve, you're actually a light to those who don't believe. You're a witness to them. Our city mission team is a witness to those who are at the city mission because they're serving exactly this way. And people look and say, I don't understand why you love me so much to come serve me. And you just say, it's because of Jesus. And they feel it. Those who you're serving feel it. The kids in the nursery, they feel it. Your family, they feel it. Dads, serve your families, for goodness sakes, and do it with this heart. And your family, your wife, your kids, you will literally see them begin to thrive. When what we're doing is not out of selfish ambition and gain, but as a sacrifice unto the Lord, for those who he put in front of us. We serve to be a light to this world, to our family, to our neighbors. Then I would have closed with this, verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life 
so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Have I not run in vain or labored in vain? The result of serving the way God wants us to serve is this, fruit and rejoicing. There is fruit and there is rejoicing when we serve as God has called us to. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you reveal to us through your scriptures and challenge us with your word to look inward at our heart and say, Lord, show me. Show me my heart behind this. Father, I just thank you for this church, Erie Christian Fellowship, koinonia, one to another, serving each other. And I thank you, Lord, this church has had a history of serving and of loving one another. But I pray that today sets forth a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing, among every person, every family that is here, who's watching online, who hears this message later, a fresh anointing to serve one another, to love one another, to be in koinonia with one another, to have fellowship with one another, that you would bind our hearts together, that our compassion for each other would come from you, that we would serve each other, not for selfish ambition, or in any other way but to glorify you with our lives. And so, Lord, as that last verse says, we thank you for the fruit and the rejoicing that comes with serving you. Father, I ask for a new perspective for each and every one of us, that we see this in a new way, And as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Lord, that you would show us that everything that we do is in service to you. Everything that you've called before us to put our hands to, to speak to, is in service of you. And Lord, that we would walk out of here having a sense that we never have to work in the bad sense of the word another day in our life but we can serve you, Lord, and we can serve your kingdom with joy and with gladness. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, we have some prayer teams uh, that will be coming up here up front. They can pray with you. If you have a prayer need in your life, agreement for healing, a situation you want them to pray with, they will be more than happy to pray with you. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you've never prayed a prayer and says, I'm done trying in this world. It's crazy. Can't do it anymore. I need Jesus in my life. These people will pray with you up here. Come forward after the service. You got nowhere else to be. The sun's shining, maybe. I don't know what's going on out there. Who cares? It's February. It's eerie. What are you going to do? Nothing. Come get prayer afterwards. That's the best thing you can go do. And fellowship with one another as you fellowship. And let me just speak this benediction over you. 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God.
receive this. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Love you guys. Wednesday night, come pray with us. 6.30.